feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Boy, was it a dramatic day in a courtroom in Buffalo. And when you hear just the wailing and the pain coming from these people who lost their loved ones to this crazy, racist, 19-year-old white man, Peyton Gendron, who, remember, this is the guy who opened fire on the grocery store back in May and just went in with hate in his heart and said he didn't like black people. There were writings of that. It was really clear that this guy was just a horrible, horrible individual. And this 19-year-old guy, remember, goes into the grocery store. It's in a predominantly black area of Buffalo. And today in a courtroom, he tried to make it sound like, oh, I'm just so sorry for what I did. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a real big skeptic. But I've covered so many criminals in my life that these are like crocodile tears that, you know, what he did was deplorable. He is going to get life in prison for this state case. He still has federal charges where he could get the death penalty. And he did agree to plead guilty in the state case. And today they threw the book at him. And he was also rushed in court. Some of the victims' families were just so overcome with grief. But who wouldn't be, given the dynamics of what happened in this courtroom? And remember, this is that horrible case where he walked into the grocery store and just indiscriminately just started firing at people and shooting at people. And then when you look at his background, he had all these horrible, vile writings. He was on social media also doing all these terrible things. So this guy was clearly just one bad, just horrible, horrible, despicable human being. And yet today in the sentencing, take a listen. He's like, oh, I'm just so sorry for what I did. Take a listen. I'm very sorry for all the pain I forced the victims and their families to suffer through. I'm very sorry for stealing the lives of your loved ones. I cannot express how much I regret all the decisions I made leading up to my actions on May 14th. I did a terrible thing that day. I shot and killed people because they were black. Looking back now, I can't believe I actually did it. I believed what I read online and acted out of hate. And now I can't take it back, but I wish I could. And I don't want anyone to be inspired by me and what I did. And I'm glad that he said that, that I don't want anybody else to be inspired by me, that I don't want other people to follow my roles. On the other hand, I mean, is there anybody out there who actually thinks there should be any sympathy for this guy? I'm glad that at least he admitted uh, that he clearly is this horrible racist individual. But it was so obvious. There was so much writing. There was so much stuff going on in the social media chat rooms. Remember, he was in this dark chat room and he was even talking about potentially doing an attack in this social media chat room. I still want to know where were the other people that were in this chat room with him that were listening to this guy saying all these horrible things soon before he actually goes and opens fire in a Buffalo supermarket. I mean, who's sitting there online and you listen to somebody and they're talking about shooting up a place and going after black people 
and they think that that's normal behavior, I say throw the book at them too. I mean, it is just so incredible. And I just don't find it believable that he's sitting today saying, oh, I'm just so sorry when you think about just horrible things that he did and despicable things and the lives that were altered. Well, needless to say, it was so emotional in court today. This was one of the most dramatic moments because after he made his statement, clearly the family members feel the same way. And one of the family members rushed him in the courtroom. They were just overcome with grief. First, take a listen. Um, This is Barbara Massey. Her sister, Catherine Massey, was one of the 10 victims killed in that May 2022 attack. And she was delivering this just unbelievably emotional victim impact statement uh, when a man dressed in gray lunged at the racist, the 19-year-old Gendron, uh, forcing authorities to intervene. They had to break up the courtroom. And basically, uh, Massey at one point, by the way, in her statement said, I personally want to choke you. Um, It was one of the most emotional statements I've ever heard. Take a listen afterwards. This is the scene when this big guy all of a sudden out of nowhere rushed to try to attack Peyton Gendron uh, because he's just overcome with grief. Wow. Uh, And if you see the video, it's like unbelievable. This big guy suddenly comes out of nowhere, tries to attack him. And by the way, I can't say I blame them. Think about the loss that they suffered. And this guy just kind of was sitting there trying to wipe away tears today. And again, I believe that they were crocodile tears sitting and saying, oh, I feel so bad. I had hate in my heart and I'm so sorry. Uh, Sorry. Sorry doesn't cut it after you killed 10 people. And it wasn't like he had some psychotic breakdown. He was online writing over and over and over again these horrible, vile things in these chat rooms. And again, why weren't family members, why weren't other people intervening? Why didn't somebody in that chat room stop him? So I find it unbelievably just ridiculous and insane uh, that he would be thinking that someone's going to accept his sort of hollow apology right now. It doesn't bring back the lives of these 10 people. And then he also still faces the federal charges. And the federal charges, uh, because they also lumped it up to terrorism charges, uh, the hate charges and the terrorist-related charges, he could basically get uh, the death penalty. Um, there is also a lesser charges, too, as well. And he said he would agree to plead guilty to the federal charges if they would take the death penalty off the table. But the death penalty wasn't taken off the table. Thank goodness, because I don't know how you guys feel about the death penalty or not. But if there's ever a case for it, this guy is it. Taking 10 innocent lives just because he did not like their skin color. It is abhorrent. What are your thoughts about this guy? And is life in prison enough? 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Let's go to Ben. In Brooklyn, on line one. Ben, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita. Um, uh, starting to get a little choked up now. Um, 
Yeah, um, I don't have a TV at the house, but uh, in my break room, uh, I you know I was able to see part of it. And um, yeah, I told you call screener. Thank him for taking my call. And um, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I said, hang on. Hey, I mean, put up put up scaffolding and hang them. And this way, it'll make an example to other people that want to do something crazy like that. And, yeah. You know, you, it, you, let me ask you, is, Ben, why is it so emotional to you? It is very emotional to me, too. But I'm just curious, you know, to me, I, there is something I, I so I, abhorrent I, about this guy. Yeah, I, I really don't know why it's so um, maybe... I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but you know, uh, the thing is that um, we we devalue life in America, and so you take a life, you give your life in in, in place, and um, so so yeah, um, I say hang on, you know, I, I watched this movie, um, World War Two, World War One movie yesterday, or early in the week, and um, the Russians. Uh, and it's 15 minutes left to the war, and the Russians, they said, the general, he, he didn't care for life, but he sent the troops. And some of them said, no, we're not going to go. And they immediately were lined them up against the wall and shot them. So the thing is, is that if we don't value life from the womb to the tomb, we're, we're going down. We're going down. So that's my two cents, and um, that's it. No, Ben, I, I hear your emotion, too. and And you know what? It to me, it is so heartbreaking. And when I hear this woman who we just played, uh, Barbara Massey, who lost her sister, and you just hear the anger and the anguish in her voice, um, it is really overwhelming and it's really heartbreaking to see. And and to me, I don't buy his, you know, oh, I'm so sorry now, uh, right before he's about to be sentenced. Suddenly he issues an apology like, oh, you know, please forgive me. Uh, like it's to me, it is such a hollow apology and it is such, and, and you hit it on the, on the head in terms of the devaluation of life. And I think a lot of people have that sadly. And you're, you're sitting here and you listen to this guy. He makes it sound like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I ordered a peanut butter sandwich. You know, uh, it, it is such a, it's such a hollow apology. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm sorry. I hated black people. I mean, basically is what he's saying. And it's just, it's shocking and it's horrible and it's obviously despicable and disgusting uh, what he did and what he has said and what he's expressed. And uh, the fact that, you know, he seems to think like a like a hollow apology is going to turn things around. Um, I hope he has a tough time in prison. You know, I mean, it's just like uh, it is just and I listen, I hope there are people out there who uh, he said, people, I hope you don't follow me. And so I hope that it's a lesson learned to other people. Uh, that they don't follow him. I hope somebody does take at least that advice from it, if there's any solace. But, you know, for him to sit there and try to apologize now is just, it is so, so horrible. And so just, um, it, it just seems so shallow. And and, it, and it, nothing will ever replace those, you know, those beautiful lives that were just so sadly and indiscriminately taken. Ben, thank you. Um, you know, I feel the same way you too. It's just, it's, it's gut wrenching. Let's go to Rick online too. Rick, um, what are your thoughts about this? There's something interesting, Arita, I want to point out. I got banned for a month from Twitter or from Facebook rather for saying that I didn't want transsexuals twerking in front of second graders. Now, this guy posted hate things 
online or in chat rooms, but somehow no bells were rung, no warning signs went up. It seems like the media is complicit in allowing him to go out and commit these, that crime. Well, and you know, you know what? You bring up a great point, too. It's like, how was he? And I don't know if, if the media is complicit, uh, but yeah, who was vetting him on social media when you're right? Like they were clearly vetting a lot of other people and blocking a lot of other people. And yet he was in this chat room talking about all these horrible, despicable things. And clearly other people in the chat room were at least agreeing with some of his sentiments, which is just disgusting, too. Um, and that happens a lot. Like, remember, there was that case. Remember in the Uvalde case, the kid in Uvalde was also like online saying some stuff ahead of time. It's like, who are these nuts that are sitting there listening to these people and allowing them to vent and not reporting them to authorities? Uh, and, and why are the FBI and some other individuals, why are the FBI spending their time investigating people from January 6th or whatever it is? Um, they should be focused on these like terrible chat rooms which sometimes some of these people are able to gravitate to, they should be cracking the whip and vetting everybody who's on these lines and making all these despicable comments to be able to prevent these attacks. I mean, it's like if you went on and I remember when, as soon as it came out, all the stuff that this guy said, it was like, who would ever let this guy walk out on the street based on what you saw? Um, and, and you bring up a superb point is like the, the juxtaposition of this going online where they're cracking down on other people. It's just, it is insane. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Do you feel sorry for this guy in any shape or form? He's clearly trying to elicit sympathy, and I don't think he deserves any. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about a dramatic statement made in court today by Peyton Gendron. Uh, that's the monster who was sentenced to life in prison without parole for opening fire at that Buffalo supermarket, killing 10 people. Um, he is a white man, and he says he did it because of rage against African-Americans. It's just disgusting. And today... He basically pleaded with the court saying, I am sorry, uh, but I don't buy it. Take a listen to it again. This is his apology during the sentence a few hours ago. I'm very sorry for all the pain I forced the victims and their families to suffer through. I'm very sorry for stealing the lives of your loved ones. I cannot express how much I regret all the decisions I made leading up to my actions on May 14th. I did a terrible thing that day. I shot and killed people because they were black. Looking back now, I can't believe I actually did it. I believed what I read online and acted out of hate. I know I can't take it back, but I wish I could. And I don't want anyone to be inspired by me and what I did. That statement to me is so just unbelievably disconnected. And, oh, I can't believe I did it. Well, if you look at the guy's writings and you look at his history, I believe he did it. The guy is just, it's despicable. I mean, the guy was clearly just spewing vile, racist, horrible things. 
This wasn't, uh, you know, uh, this was almost inevitable. If you look at his background, sadly, why wasn't he locked up and why weren't people reporting him when he was spewing hate all over social media well before he did this despicable, heinous act? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anastasia, line one. Your thoughts about uh, this man's future. Good evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. I would like to say that this monster never stopped for once to think how horrible these actions are, especially to those beautiful people who lost their loved ones. Not in America in 2023 to have those kind of feelings. It is very sad. They should punish him. Absolutely. I agree. And by the way, he still has the federal cha- uh, cases I was bringing up to you, Anastasia, because uh, that one involves uh, the hate crime, and that is resulting in potential death. And I'm glad that prosecutors didn't do some deal with him, uh, because we're going to talk about in just a few minutes one of the deals that was made, uh, and this is tied to the Michigan State University shooter. But in this case, uh, they said, we will not deal with this guy. And basically, the death penalty is still on the table. So we could actually get it when the federal trial comes up. Because, boy, I feel like if there's ever a case, uh, this one epitomizes it. And and I don't, I don't, when I hear his sorry, I feel nothing. I feel like, I don't feel like he's sincere in any shape or form. Do you, Anastasia, when you hear it? Absolutely not. He doesn't, it, this is all, to me, crocodile tears. Because if he took one minute to think what he's doing to all those beautiful people he killed and the pain that the people are suffering for losing their loved ones. I, I believe, yes, the penalty should be the hardest there is. The uh, death penalty, as a Christian, I hate to say it, but if you take life, yes, in order for people to see what's going on and not to do other copying him, is very important that they do stay strong on this so others can see it as an example and uh uh-uh, think twice before they take such action. And also, and also, Anastasia, these other people in these social media chat rooms, where the heck were they? I mean, that's what's like, I mean, who listens to this guy spewing all this stuff and just kind of allows it to happen, um, you know, or clearly is, is thinking the same way. I mean, this is where the federal government should be monitoring. I'm not big into them monitoring social media, but boy, uh, and these kind of places is where they should be monitoring left and right. Uh, let's go to Norman. Line three. Norman, your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are um, this is a very testing case, of course. I mean, this is a horrible thing. This man killed all these people. And for that reason, uh, I believe he should be in prison for hundreds of years. I mean, for the rest of his life. And I, I do oppose the death penalty. And I feel like uh, the government uh, should not take a life unless it was the case of a war. And, um, you know, there's somebody said that we how we treat our incarcerated is how we how we judge a society. And I stand by that. So, uh, yeah, it was considering what he said. I don't care. I don't care if he said he's sorry. I don't care if he said he wanted to do it again. Uh, to me, the end result should be the same. He should be in prison. And Norm, should not be a happy. Yep. Sorry, Norm, because we got to go to a break. Uh, and I agree. I don't. His remorse is hollow. The Rita Cosby Show.
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a really powerful story coming from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, where police rescued a man who was trapped in mud. The police department there rescued a man who was trapped in mud up to his head. Three officers responded to a report of a man that was trapped in the mud in Flint Pond. And it was around noon on February 13th. The caller told police that the man was about 50 feet from the boat ramp. It was reported that the male was sinking rapidly and was in danger of drowning. So one of the officers who was first to arrive on the scene saw the man and immediately made his way into the pond with a life-saving device that is attached to a rope. The man was up to his neck in water and mud and completely immobilized. And the officer went about 50 feet offshore and was able to get the device to the man. And the officers together were able to pull the man free of the mud and to the shore. The fire department then arrived and helped with the rescue. And the man was evaluated by paramedics and incredibly was released and is said to be okay. Thanks to the fast action of that officer who arrived immediately on the scene, got out that device and saved that man's life. What a powerful story and just incredible the type of different assignments that our officers have every single day. Well, we are talking about crime and, in fact, this horrible case of 19-year-old Peyton Gendron who opened fire uh, with his vile, racist rhetoric and killed 10 people in a racist mass shooting at a grocery store Last year in Buffalo, remember, he just opened fire and we went back and people were looking at his writings and looking at his chat rooms. And he was talking about uh, wanting to do harm to black individuals. And, and you just see it was plain and simple that this man was just a vile, despicable human being. And then today, here it finally comes time for the sentencing. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry that I said these horrible racist things. I hope people don't follow me, don't do the same thing. I think it's good that at least he's making some comments like that. Uh, but his comments to me are very hollow. It's right here. It is sentencing time. Uh, and he made it sound like, oh, something just kind of snapped. Something didn't just snap. This guy was clearly a horrible, despicable human being. He was putting all these comments on social media. And one of these social media companies who are blocking people with sometimes conservative views. They seem to jump the gun and do all that. And then here is somebody shouting disgusting, vile threats, racist, terrible threats. And he's able to sort of spew his hatred online. Why was that allowed to happen? And why was that not cracked down on? And why didn't somebody report him and raise enormous amounts of red flags with this guy that could have prevented this horrible, despicable Tragedy. What are your thoughts about it, everybody? 1 800 848 9222. 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to Lisa, line one. Lisa, your thoughts. 
Hi, Reid. Um, first of all, they're not going to crack down on social media because this is what the Democrats are thriving on right now because the kid is white. Second of all, I would like to know who inspired this kid? Who did he look to to learn how to do this stuff, to have such hatred in his heart? Like, you know, like who indoctrinated him? There's questions to be asked before before this kid either gets a death penalty or his sentence is handed down. That's a great point, um, because who knew? I mean, he seems like he was pretty, uh, sadly, pretty vocal about it. And and you have to wonder, like, uh, was he talking about it in school? Was he talking about it to friends? Was he was it in the family? We don't know, but you're absolutely right. Um, or was he inspired by some crazy, disgusting group online? Uh, regardless, whatever it is, you're right. We need to get to the bottom of it and see who's sort of like transmitting these horrible. So somebody else doesn't get inspired uh, by the same type of rhetoric. Uh, great point, Lisa. Thank you very much. Let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Uh, Mike, your thoughts about this? Hello, Rita. Um, well, I had tears in my eyes when I watched the news. Uh, here's a perfect example of uh, uh, a devil, white, punk, twisted kid walks into the supermarket in Buffalo, and people of color, black people, he mowed him down. And in, and in you know court, he was staring at his shoes, looking down, half, not even half an apology. And I like the uh, answer that one of the relatives said to him, said, I hope you live for the rest of your life. And every day, you'll think about your, your, your devilish work. And you know what this reminds me of, Rita? It also reminds me of uh, years ago, another twisted kid, happened to be white, walks into an all-black church, mows them down. In South Carolina. South Carolina, right? That's it, South Carolina. And the oldest was 85. Three months later, copycat syndrome, a twisted black kid with a gun, walks into an all-white church and does the same. You you know what a scenario uh, 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 really reminds me of, Rita? You know, some, some of these people, most of them, have visions of grandeur. Like the, like the assassination of John Lennon. What, what did I do with my life? It was absolutely nothing. I know how I'll be remembered. Visions of psychotic grandeur. And it is, it is uh, despicable. I don't even have the words to describe what I'd really like to say on the radio. Oh, you know and, and you know, Mike, I feel the same way. I was so angry watching this kid today. And as he was doing his, his uh, apology, it was so, to me, I use the word hollow because I felt nothing. When I sometimes you feel like, oh, God, you sort of feel like, oh, well, maybe this person's showing some remorse. I didn't feel that at all. When I watched him, I just saw, I agree with you, I saw the devil there. I thought a racist, disgusting devil and somebody who, to me, it was like he was just saying words. It didn't matter. And it just it got me so angry just to to watch him and to think that like maybe he might be impacting somebody to to not give him life like as if this case doesn't deserve if this case doesn't deserve you know whatever the ultimate punishment is by law i don't know what is you know i mean honestly it's like it is just so shameful mike thank you very much uh let's go to dave in pennsylvania dave line two your thoughts hey rita hi uh to me black and white is not the issue but um, there used to be a guy that broadcast up in New York. His name was Bob Grant. Yeah, sure. He Not used to. Me. Yep, he was on WABC. I got to fill in for Bob Grant early on in my uh, my radio career. He's a wow. great guy. Yes. I actually talked to him one time, but his name comes up because he used to say 
when these people serve notice on society, they're not fit to live in society, basically, to paraphrase old Bob. But that's the one thing. The second thing is that um, until the punishment fits the crime, this is what you're going to have. And the third thing is that I heard that fellow earlier, oh, you know, the death penalty. Uh, well, the same people that are opposed to the death penalty for this heinous behavior are the same people that sanction, support the Democratic Party in its bid to murder babies in a mother's womb. Now, that may sound strong, but it is what it is. Uh, well, and I hear what you're talking about in terms of the value of life. Um, uh, Dave, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to David in the Bronx, line seven. David, your thoughts about this? Yes, good evening, Rita. Um, I've talked about my experiences with racism, but I'm going to say something that might surprise some of the listeners. I don't think this person should be executed, and I'm not going to use his name because I don't think we should use his name because I think that does add some glory to what he did. But he should be sent to a regular prison. He shouldn't be separated or put in a, a solitary confinement. He should have to be with everybody in prison for the rest of his life and be made to think about the horrible thing that he did. Because as a blind person, I'm a pretty good listener. And what he said, he didn't believe a word of it. He just said that because he felt or his attorneys told him he had to say that. And just one last thing about these chat rooms. The reason nobody reported it is because there's a hell of a lot of people in this country that agree with the stuff that he said, and they're never going to report that stuff. And last thing, Rita, mark my words, this is not the last time we're going to hear about something like this happening. It's inevitable, just like with the school shootings and the club shootings. Whenever something like this happens, it starts the countdown to the next one. Well, and, and well, Dave, two, a couple things. First off, I hear your passion and um, and I agree with you that, you know, and um, and I know you've mentioned that you're blind. Um, and and obviously you you probably have such an unbelievable sense of hearing. And even just hearing this guy today, I felt the same way you did. I just felt he was so hollow and so, like, insincere. Like, just like you said, it was probably like some attorney said, hey, could you read it? He didn't even read it with any, like, emotion. He just kind of, like, went through the motions. And so I, I agree with you. The one the one thing that I feel so strongly about, and I have been to many prisons um, as a journalist. Uh, many of you guys know. I mean, I've you know been a journalist for many, many years. And, you know, I've covered many a prison. I've been in some of the toughest prisons in the world. I've been in San Quentin. I've been in prisons in, in uh, Mexico, you name it. Um, and I can tell you, sometimes our prisons are a little too cozy. You know, I mean, it's like, like, I don't want this guy to be going to prison and getting three square meals a day and deciding if he wants steak or lobster for dinner. You know, I, he better be, it better be, I'd love to have a rock quarry kind of prison where it's like, you know, if there's anybody, I'd be leading the charge and saying, okay, give him the biggest boulder, you know, and that's what he should be doing. It's got to be like a tough, tough place. Um, and, and somebody or the caller just before you, David, was talking about how the punishment has to fit the crime. Um, in this case, the, the minimum he's going to get is life in prison. He could get death penalty if the federal case goes through. That's coming up. State is separate than federal. He just said state, but he's got federal. But, you know, so many of the criminals, not on something as severe as this, but others, 
You just see that they're, they're walking. We, you have to send a message to criminals that if they do something, they have to stay behind bars. And if somebody has this kind of rhetoric, um, you know, it gets me so sick, Dave, that somebody else would ever agree with him. Um, yeah, you are. There, you're right. There are a lot of disgusting, horrible people out there. But I would hope that good people or anybody with a conscience, if they heard anything like this or saw anything like this online, that they got to report it, that they have to do it immediately. Um, because somebody who is as loony and as disgusting as this guy clearly has to come out and say something and alert authorities. And, and where's the families, too? I mean, where are the families of this kid and people close to him? They should be reporting him left and right. It's obviously hard to report your kid. Uh, but guess what? You got to do it. Um, before we go, too, I want to also talk about another case tonight, too, on the crime. Before we get, we got so much to do, so much tonight. Um, Nikki Haley uh, also talking about crime, and we're going to get to that also later on in the show. But another case that also epitomizes sort of this revolving door that a couple of you touched on um, is this case of Anthony McRae. This is the guy who opened fire in Michigan State University this week, earlier this week in Lansing, Michigan. This is the gunman who killed three students, injured five others. They still don't know why he went to the Michigan campus. Uh, He had a history of mental health issues and had a couple run-ins with police. And now it turns out, lo and behold, it was a soft-on-crime DA, basically, who allowed this guy to walk free. In 2019, this guy is 43 years old, Anthony McRae. He was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon. The guy had some mental health histories, so he shouldn't have had a gun to begin with, I contend. But he was carrying a concealed weapon without a permit in Michigan. It's a felony. And at that time, it was punishable up to five years in prison. Again, it was 2019. But the DA at this time, who was a George Soros DA, Carol Seaman, a.k.a. sort of like George Gascon and Alvin Bragg and a couple others around the country, changed the policy in 2019. Lucky for Anthony McRae, bad for everybody else. She changed the mandatory sentencing for felony firearms to make it basically a misdemeanor. So he ended up serving one-year probation, didn't get any time for it, He goes out. He was able then to legally buy a gun and own a gun, which he did until he opened fire on Michigan State University earlier this week, killing three students and seriously injuring five others. He then took his own life. Also, he shot and killed himself when he was confronted by officers. And the family came out and said, oh, yeah, he had so many mental problems. I was trying to get his gun away from him. Um, you know, but he kept wanting to buy these guns and have these guns. So how much do these soft on crime DAs play a role in this revolving door of crime? In this case, I contend this soft on crime DA should actually, uh, you know, I can't you can't say be held accountable, but there needs to be some recompense, some attention. She changed the policy. This guy would have been behind bars and never would have been able to buy a gun because you can't buy a gun if you have, if you're a, a felon. So he wouldn't have been able to buy a gun and he would have been behind bars. I am so sick of these soft on crime DAs giving people a free pass. And guess why she changed it back in 2019? She came out and said the reason she changed it was because she felt that these mandatory sentence enhancements lead to racial inequity. 
and that she thought it was unfair uh, based on a disparity of race uh, that happened to those who were actually charged with crimes. So she said it was a race issue as opposed to a safety issue. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the revolving door of justice. I just talked about this case of the Michigan State University shooter, who, as it turns out, would have been locked up if the soft on crime DA in that area in Ingram County there in Michigan hadn't changed the laws to make felony gun charges drop to misdemeanors. And so he actually served Basically, one year probation, no jail time, and was able to buy a gun. And he used that gun to open fire on students and others at Michigan State University. So how much is this revolving door of justice play a huge role in the crime problem? You know, this week we heard President Biden talking so much about gun charges and how important it is uh, to get guns off the streets. What is it up with President Biden that he never also addresses the criminals who use these guns? It's as if these guns just sort of go off by themselves. And yet we never hear from him and often others who basically give the criminals a free pass. It's like the guns are the the monsters and the criminals just happen to be holding them by accident. As opposed to saying, if you use a gun, you will serve X time and it will be mandated. It won't be this revolving Easy, cushy door of justice. Uh, to me, it is just it is just so shocking that they miss the mark on so many levels. And if criminals don't understand that there are repercussions for their actions in early phases, and if they don't start cracking down on people who have vile rhetoric like we were talking about in the Buffalo case, the warning signs are there. But if you give people a free pass uh, and you let them off easy, guess what? then it is often too late. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line eight. BJ, your thoughts about this. You know, this this Michigan State University case, it's unbelievable that the guy, uh, lucky for him and bad for everybody else, uh, that suddenly this soft on crime DA literally changed the policy that year that he could have been behind bars still at this moment. Uh, But no, she gave him a misdemeanor and he was able to walk scot-free. Well, Rita, uh, you know, first of all, my my thoughts and prayers are with the people whose heart is aching that don't have uh, loved ones that uh, will come home to them. Uh, It's a heartbreak to think. Absolutely. uh, You know, and uh, I, 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 I can't begin to get my head around that emotionally, having someone snatch from you off of something so senseless. But, you know, uh, I hate to say this and point the finger, but uh, by the way, David was right. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, believe the way this lunatic believed in Buffalo. Uh, uh, They're just filled with hatred. They're evil. They're evil people. Evil has been with us since uh, since 
since long before Adam bit the apple, and evil will be with us long before, uh, long after we're gone. Uh, it's all its permutations, you know, uh, will remain with us no matter how far along we become technologically. This horrible shooting uh, is a function of uh, social programming. It's a function of top-down state uh, ism, you know, uh, blame the gun uh, ideology. Uh, you know, we we can avoid all of this in many respects. We can minimize a lot of it by uh, protecting the people that are supposed to be protected. This technology is out there. People can get guns. There's no way of getting these guns back. Uh, but we can protect uh, our, our pl- uh, so places that are soft targets. But liberals will never talk about this. They, they'll tell you, oh, you're turning a society into an armed camp. Uh, we can't have guns in the schools and people with guns. We can't have guns in our supermarkets. In the meantime, the lower uh, end of society, the poorer people uh, and the working class poor people suffer you know, liberals don't bother. They don't worry about uh, being protected. They have they have armed security. They have vehicles to take them to and from they, wherever they have to go. Uh, you know, you talk to any of these major celebrities that uh, uh, will want to take your gun away from you. They have armed security. In the meantime, you go out to Hollywood. They make these crazy movies that glorify uh, all sorts of gun violence uh, to the nth degree. I mean, it's even beyond it's it's like video game level. But, and by so, the way, by the way, I do agree with you that like like uh, like there is a role that media clearly plays, BJ, social media, too. Um, and, and to David's point, David was right that sadly there are people who agree with this guy um, because there were people in this chat room with the guy, the Buffalo guy, for example. Um, yeah. But but when you see that. And you see the case, and I think about the kid in Uvalde who had problems and run-ins, and everybody said he was a violent kid. And in this case, now we're hearing from family members that they wanted to get the guns away because the guy was violent. Well, at the well, gun, you know, I mean, at some point, family members need to do a little bit more than say, let's get the guns away. You know you have somebody who has guns in your family. You know that they're violent. Um, I, you know, it's time to really step up. And take responsibility because the rest of society shouldn't be a victim to your loved one's bad behavior. You have to think about the greater good. A step up. What do you think, BJ? Well, I think we need to protect ourselves. We can't rely upon society or families. In many cases, the families are worse than the, the actual perpetrator, especially in the Uvalde situation. When we have uh, take responsibility for the, the weakest in, in society, those that can't protect themselves, and get rid of these woke Democrat DAs, uh, then we'll see a turnaround and a change in this. You're right. No, it's we got to get tough. And, and these woke people have to realize we need to be protected. We're going to talk more about this and a lot more after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We're talking about soft on crime DAs. And to me, this is an enormous, enormous problem in this country. 
I'm really happy to see that New York City Mayor Eric Adams, uh, he was talking to some of the lawmakers in Albany, and he brought up the revolving door of what's happening with bail reform and how these criminals are just getting back out over and over and over again. I'm glad to hear a Democrat talking about it. Uh, but it's also really time to get tough and not just use words. And there needs to be action. There needs to be things on the books that change. At what point when you see that felonies, for example, like in New York, are at an all-time high? There are This is the highest level in 15 years for felonies. Uh, how much more proof do you need that crime is skyrocketing and the liberals continuously blame guns, guns, guns? What about thugs, thugs, thugs and going after the criminals? What about giving harsher penalties? What about at least giving at least even the basic penalty? So many times criminals are giving a slap, getting a slap on the wrist and getting an easy pass. And they're never going to learn a lesson if they don't get jail time, if they don't have a fear of what could happen on their record. So many times if they are young individuals, Often, as we've seen, the ages have been raised, like in New York and other states, for crimes. So often it doesn't go on the record at all. It's still considered a juvenile. Uh, If they fit in that new age category, they get basically away with it. Nobody knows about it. And often, even if it's a serious crime, if you have a soft on crime DA, like we were talking about the Michigan State University case, this guy could have had a felony that would have put him away in 2019 for five years. But no, a soft on crime, basically George Soros back DA, uh, changed the policy that year and gave him a misdemeanor. And he spends one year probation. So how is he ever going to learn the lesson? Well, he clearly didn't. And he was able, because he only had a misdemeanor on his record, to buy a gun and own a gun. And he was able to do it legally. And so he did. And sadly, this man opened fire and killed three students and injured five others. And if you see the cycle, clearly this guy had a history of mental illness. He clearly had a gun charge, a felony charge. And yet these soft on crime DAs continuously say, well, it's not equitable. It's not fair. What about what's fair for the rest of society? What about what keeps us all safe? It is time to set that as a major, major priority. And Democrats and Republicans, everybody has to wake up and think about the greater good, not just trying to be woke and trying to be, uh, you know, somebody, a steward of bail reform. That's not fair to society. And also, these criminals are not learning a lesson. We see it in New York. It's this revolving door of repeat offenders, and it's happening in major cities over and over again. Case in point, Uh, This week, right after the shooting took place, Michigan State, President Biden made this statement. Take a listen to what he said. Last night, I spoke with Governor Whitmer and uh, the FBI and additional federal law enforcement are on the ground assisting the state and local folks. And uh, three lives have been lost and five seriously injured. And it's a family's worst nightmare. It's happening far too often in this country. And it is happening far too often. And yet Democrats continuously go after the guns and somehow give the criminals basically a free pass. Take a listen, because right after he said that, 
Here is what he said about guns. And I'm going to say something that's always controversial, but there is no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50, 70 bullets. Right. So what about there is no rationale for a criminal who keeps committing a crime and keeps getting out? Don't you think there's something wrong with the judicial system, Mr. President? It gets me so angry that every time there are these moments and we see these shootings over and over again. And David from the Bronx, who was talking with us recently, was just talking about, sadly, how this happens over and over again. What can we do to break the cycle? Well, these guns just don't magically go off. If you have a criminal who gets a free pass every time, clearly they are not going to learn the lesson. They're going to just learn how to abuse the system more and more. And if family members and other people don't speak out, well, then, you know, we're doomed. And if you keep trying to say, well, we're going to get rid of guns, how does that stop the guy who pushes somebody on the subway? How does that stop the the crazy guy who stabbed that EMT recently to death? That doesn't change it. But if you saw the history of these people, you'd realize these guys are a menace to society. And at some point, you need to at least give, even if it's the minimum sentence. In many cases, they're not getting any sentence, period. And these folks on the liberal side of the aisle just refuse to acknowledge that crime is not a race issue. I'm talking about punishment. Punishment, you should just look and see what did this person do? Doesn't matter what their race is. What did this person do? If they committed a serious crime, throw the book at them, and maybe they won't repeat offend. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry. Line five. Larry, your thoughts. Rita, you know, arguably somebody who's mentally ill that cannot claim uh, the insanity defense, in other words, he's not insane, uh, but he's just mentally ill and he commits crimes, arguably somebody like that needs that uh, a heavy a heavy penal sanction more than a regular criminal because his mental state his involuntary mental state is causing him to commit crimes so a heavy a heavy penal sentence will change that mental state but since we have we have a situation where everybody's feeling sorry for perpetrators this guy like in Michigan was given a slap on the wrist and his mental state continued unabated until it escalated into, into murder so basically, we have a failure across the board of the penal sanctions. Anyway, um, I mean, uh, you know, we're not addressing the criminal mindset, okay? We're just addressing the whims of politicians who are completely ignorant of criminology. No, you, you, you hit it on the head. You're right, that they have no sense. And the fact that they would reduce these crimes and somehow say, well, it's in the essence of equity. I was reading the line from this woman In this case, this is the Michigan State University case, you know, and they just go on back to their lives and go back to their nice little, you know, white picket fences and their little families. And, you know, they don't live in the reality that the people who are experiencing the crimes are living in. Um, And in this case, this D.A., Larry, in particular, said in 2019, when she reduced these crimes, which would have had this monster locked up, this Michigan State University guy, for example, she said that the sentencing enhancements, uh, which would have been the felony uh, for gun charges for concealing guns illegally, uh, lead to racial inequity and not linked to keeping people safe. Are you kidding me? Keeping people locked up keeps people safe. 
I, I mean, what is wrong with these people that they don't think it is? And somehow it's a, a slap in the in the face to racial equity uh, that that is where they're going. I mean, we're doomed if that's the if that's the philosophy of these individuals. And I don't understand these people that keep voting them in. I mean, George Gascon, remember, there was a recall effort uh, for a similar D.A. in Los Angeles and that recall effort lost. Everybody was saying, oh, gosh, please, let's pray that that D.A. gets kicked out. Remember the guy, uh, Chesu Boudin in San Francisco did get recalled. That was amazing in San Francisco, the most liberal city in the country. Uh, so people were getting hopeful in L.A. The same thing would happen, but that lost. So who are the people that are saying, oh, this is a good person to keep in office? And, you know, I mean, uh, who are these voters out there? They need to wake up, too. Let's go to Ellie in New Jersey. Line eight. Ellie, your thoughts. Um, uh, Rita, I just want to say I'm Jewish, but what George Soros is doing, I, I don't want to say that he should die, but he has to lose power. It's 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 a disgrace what's going on in this country because of him. Well, and he needs to be called out. I, I like it needs to be. I think it's only been in recent years that people are really aware of all these soft on crime DAs that he is funding. And I think people need to call him out and say, you know, OK, well, your million dollars helped get Alvin Bragg elected. Your million dollars also, by the way, got George Gascon, the guy in L.A. elected. Uh, that's what he does. He puts a million dollars into these tiny little sort of, you know, not tiny because L.A. and New York isn't. But people normally don't really think about the D.A. races. They're so focused on mayors and other things. And so he puts all this money suddenly into these races and basically outspends by far any challenger. And guess what? These people get elected. So he's got this formula that now I think has suddenly started to be exposed. But I think it needs to get out there in the media. This one is a George Soros back DA. It needs to be so obvious and it needs to get out there that people understand uh, and people need to realize the repercussions of who they're voting in. In Alvin Bragg's case, there, there was a uh, debate uh, that 77 WABC did. And in the debate, he came out and said, I'm going to be basically reforming justice. I'm going to try to, like, make sure it's more equitable, just like this woman in Michigan. And guess what? He's doing it. I mean, in other words, believe what people say. Don't, it's not a fairy tale. It's reality. And we're going to be the ones living in that uh, messed up reality if you pick somebody like that. Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan, your thoughts about this? Hi, Rita. George Soros is a foundation for our problems in this country and he's a su strong supporter of the rural economic forum school in switzerland where his son jonathan attended yep that's where that's where, that's where that uh, davos is exactly and, and uh he's got a lot of supporters and they're they're pushing esg in this country and digital currency now the thing that has me concerned that they're pushing nikki haley for the republicans and George Buttigieg for the Democrats. And Nikki Haley wants uh, to change things in this country. I'm afraid if she gets into office, we're going to have digital currency, and we're going to do away with fossil fuels because that's what they're about, destroying American democracy. Although, you know what? Um, it's interesting, Dan, because if you listen to Nikki Haley, in fact, today, Dan, uh, boy, uh, she had some pretty powerful stuff, uh, and she sure seems like a far cry from any of the folks over there. Um, she is tied to some of the uh, conservative neocons, which is very different than sort of the George Soros types. Um, and in fact, 
Uh, she made her first sort of campaign announcement today. It was official yesterday that she's running against Trump, first GOP challenger. But take a listen to what she said. And it sounds like she's going for the George Soros types against those types. Take a listen to this just a few hours ago. I see a strong America because I see a proud America. Strong and proud, not weak and woke. That's the America I see. And what's also refreshing, Dan, is it was nice to hear Nikki Haley. It was nice to hear a candidate uh, as we're talking about all these woke ones who have been so absorbed with all these policies of basically defund the police and you know criminal justice reform. She came straight out and said, I support law enforcement and also went after this revolving door of justice. Take a listen to what she said in this uh, statement. In the America I see, police know we have their backs. And criminals know we have their number. And our states will be safe again. Bravo, bravo. I love that line. Police know we have their backs and criminals know we have their numbers. So, Dan, uh, quite a bit different than the George Soros types. And in fact, everybody, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about crime and also Nikki Haley coming out and going after Trump and Biden, saying that there has to be a competency test for any politicians that are over 75 years of age. What do you think of that? Do you agree that there should be a competency test And was that a swipe at Trump and Biden? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news. And tonight, sadly, word of yet another shooting. This one in El Paso, Texas. At least one person was killed. Uh, several others injured after a gunman opened fire at a Texas food court there at a mall. Uh, authorities say that two people are in custody. The victims were also rushed to the hospital. And again, very sad news that at least one person has been killed and Others seriously injured at an El Paso Mall food court. And we'll bring you details as we get those coming in. We are talking, of course, sadly about crime in America and also talking about Nikki Haley, who came out uh, just a few hours ago and said, police, we have your backs and criminals, we have your number. Refreshing to finally hear a criminal, you know, going after the criminal as opposed to Biden, who continues to just talk about guns, 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 and doesn't mention the punishment for thugs, thugs, thugs. Nikki Haley also took another interesting swipe when she was doing her campaign speech a few hours ago. And this is making headlines everywhere uh, because she said there should be a mandatory test for anybody who is over the age of 75. Uh, you could make the case she's talking about her former boss, Trump, and you could make the case that she is talking about the current commander in chief, 80 years old, Joe Biden. Here she is talking about this just a little bit ago. In the America, I see the permanent politician will finally retire. 
will have term limits for Congress. and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. So what do you think of the idea of a mandatory mental competency test if you are over 75? Now, Trump is 76 and Biden is 80. I contend Biden acts more like 105 but that's a whole other story, and definitely he needs a mental competency test. I, I hear her on that one. But is that a veiled threat also to the man who she definitely has to compete against first, and that is her former boss, President Trump? What are your thoughts about all this, guys? one 800 848 one Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, uh, first off, your thoughts about Nikki Haley and this mental competency test idea. Your thoughts? Well, uh, I think it's a reasonable request, and it's a, it's a goal she should pursue. However, you've got two problems with that. Uh, competency, uh, mental competency, rather, does not run along with the principle that oh, the older you are, the more likely you are to be prone to incompetency. Uh, Number 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 two. By, by the way, you know who you know who um uh, just as you're suggesting Pete Buttigieg. By the way, that guy is uh, not near seventy five, but I don't know if he's mentally competent. Go ahead. He's just he's not. It's not a question of mental incompetency. It's a question of, of inability to perform the job that he was appointed to. There's a big difference with Biden. Biden is an old guy. He's eighty years old. When you hit a certain age, 60, 70, 75, you start falling back on pre-established patterns in your life. Although, although Phil, Phil, can I, I, can I yeah, 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 but, no, but I just got to tell you one thing. Age, don't you think age is, it's different in everybody. Al D'Amato was in studio the other day. Uh, I was hosting uh, Cats at Night. He, I think, is 82 or something. He is sharp as a tack. Uh, Biden looks like he's, again, I suggest he's like 105 compared to Al D'Amato. Go ahead, Phil. Well, with with uh, Al D'Amato versus uh, Joe Biden, it's clear Al D'Amato is not getting shots to and medications to keep his, his mind in some kind of partial coherency. There's <laughs> <laughs> a big difference. The, the, the second thing I think you mentioned, besides the competency, you mentioned something else. Yeah, well, we were talking we were talking about crime, too, in America and her saying, police, okay. I have your back. I think that's I think that's a nice statement to make. But considering the recent events with the five uh, officers that, that killed that young man, Nichols, I mean, you begin to wonder, you know, well, that's kind of pushing things to a point. The problem is, I think the governors of each state should get profoundly involved in that, not Nikki Haley. No, that's a great point. That is a great point. Um, but I do like hearing, listen, uh, obviously that was horrible what happened to him, uh, but predominantly law enforcement are amazing. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And a powerful story in our Support Our Heroes segment tonight coming from Dunedin, Florida, where the city recognized seven World War II veterans with a parade downtown and honored a beloved World War II veteran, O'Neill Descharmes, on his 98th birthday. 
The veteran served in the Marines from the 1942 to 1981, earning his way to the ranks of Master Sergeant. He served in Washington, D.C.'s Roosevelt Retreat, which is Camp David, a pivotal mission in Okinawa, and he was also on active duty during the Korean and Vietnam War. And he also was part of Honor Flight. Uh, The city of Dunedin, Florida, posted on their Facebook, thank you to the Honor Flight of West Central Florida for giving Veteran O'Neill the best 98th birthday celebration ever. Beautiful to see these folks in Florida and around the country appreciating our great World War II veterans. And also, I love the work that Honor Flight does where they send in the veterans into Washington, D.C. to see the monuments uh, and to go back and also appreciate their comrades. So what a powerful story. And I always love honoring our veterans here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about mental incompetence, and we were talking about Nikki Haley, basically with her new test that she proclaimed today, that if you're over 75, and remember Trump is 76, Biden's 80, Uh, that there should be a mental mandatory competency test to see if somebody is still mentally fit. Uh, I contend uh, Biden clearly ain't fit. I mean, he is like so off the mark. And I think, you know, it's clearly a swipe at Biden and maybe in a little bit of a way, a swipe at our old boss Trump, too. Although, boy, is Trump, you know, yes, he's over the age of 75, uh, but he certainly is mentally fit and he certainly is mentally sharp. And he runs circles mentally around President Biden. There's no doubt about it. And certainly when you look at the case with the Chinese spy balloon and all these other balloons uh, that now the administration has shot down. Imagine if President Trump was in power. It never would have happened. There's no way. China wouldn't be like poking the bear. Uh, you know, Russia, I don't think, would have gone into Ukraine. And I don't think Afghanistan would have been abandoned with our Americans left high and dry and $80 billion worth of equipment. There are so many things that are so different. And now we're learning, by the way, this stunning new detail in the last few hours. You know, remember we had heard about that first one that they say was a Chinese spy balloon. That's the one that they shot off the coast of South Carolina And they said, well, you know what, by the time we sort of figured it all out, it was almost over Alaska, then it went into Montana, and then we couldn't shoot it down because it was over uh, the mainland of America, and there were all these cities, and we didn't want to harm anybody. Well, now it turns out that multiple media organizations are reporting that U.S. officials and U.S. intelligence officials were aware that this Chinese spy balloon had left the southern coast of uh, China and that they were monitoring it ever since it left there. And it left there around like January 21st, at least. So it had tons of time. In other words, it wasn't like three or four days. Even then they should have reacted. But they had been following it since basically, you know, middle-ish of January, if you will. So they had all this time. They watched it leave this island. Then it came up. It went by Guam. So there was another chance to shoot it down. They didn't do it. There's a lot of ocean, by the way. Think about all the ocean it crossed, right? And then it comes up, you know, to the Aleutian Islands and Alaska. They still don't shoot it down. Then it goes to Montana where there's just a bunch of cows. I love Montana, but there's a lot of vast area there. They don't shoot that down there. 
And then they let it go across the mainland. Then they go, oh, gosh, we got to shoot it down. And they wait till South Carolina. But they were monitoring it. And they also concede that the device had heavy intelligence gathering capabilities, that it had multiple antennas, and it appears that it was transmitting the entire time information back to China. So they let China get everything that they could about America, and then they decide to shoot it down off the coast of South Carolina. Now we're finding out not only did they have not just a few days, they had a few weeks where they could have taken this thing out. And yet the Biden administration just sat there on their hands and were like, what do we do? And boy, do we look stupid now. And boy, is China just laughing all the way to the bank. Take a listen. Here is Senator Tom Cotton talking about this first spy balloon. We know these things uh, about the first balloon. Uh, There's nothing more than what meets the eye here. China sent a balloon to spy on America. The administration identified it before it entered the Alaskan airspace. President Biden had a chance to shoot it down. He chose not to. The balloon then flew all across America, spying on America. I think part of what we see now is the president and his political handlers worried about the criticism they received for that failure. Um, But really, that's just one in a string of failures going back to the beginning of this administration that has projected weakness and intimidation on the part of Joe Biden towards the Chinese communists. Remember, uh, after the collapse of Afghanistan, Chinese propaganda outlets were talking about uh, an Afghan effect. Unfortunately, I think we may see another echo in these objects of the so-called Afghan effect. The Afghan effect, abandoning our Americans, leaving equipment, looking foolish, looking weak. And that is clearly why China is now trying to do whatever they can to sort of test America. And how sad That boy, did we fail this test? Because you think about, in this particular case, you think about the fact that he could have easily shot it down. The U.S. intelligence was aware of it in mid-January, basically, and they did nothing. They allowed it to kind of drift, 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 goes to Guam. They could have taken it out there. They didn't. Drift, 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 drift. And then finally, it's like, oh, my gosh. And the only reason I contend that they even took it out to begin with And maybe let us even know that it happened. It wasn't because they had some stellar epiphany. At that point, remember, there was a reporter with the Billings, Montana, um, you know, Gazette. And I've been to Billings. I was there for the Montana Freeman standoff uh, when I was at Fox News. It's a beautiful area, but it's very desolate. Um, And at night, the skies are like black. And suddenly they saw like this white balloon hovering above, this white device hovering above. So it wasn't like the Biden administration broke the news. It was somebody on the ground who saw it. And then people across the country saw it. But here is Senator John Barrasso talking about just how lame we look, not just to China, but to the world right now. These missiles, the MX missiles, were ones that helped secure the peace for 60 years to prevent nuclear war. President John Kennedy, 60 years ago, called these our ace in the hole. Well, it seems like Joe Biden doesn't care if he turns over and shows the Chinese our whole card. He said he did the right thing. I say he did the weak thing. Wow. And here is a little bit more about what he thinks is in store for our relations with China. China's going to continue to test us, test our national security, our energy security, our supply chain. And Joe Biden is playing right into their hands. He's playing right into their hands with his green agenda, 
which is making us more dependent on China for minerals and materials, for solar panels and electric, va- uh, electric vehicle batteries. And boy, do we look stupid. And now that details are coming out, that they had all this time to take it down, they didn't. And then they overreact with the other balloons that might have been like uh, balloons from like a kid's parade, you know, and they lose a $500,000 missile to take out a balloon that they don't get down, the cylindrical device, this oblong device. These are the other three that they finally did take down. Now they're like shooting everything in sight. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in Pennsylvania, line three. David, your thoughts about this. This is like unbelievable that at the, the time that this administration would have allowed something that they knew right from the start was a Chinese spy balloon. They allow it to fly thousands of miles and then finally take it out after it's given all the information back to the Chinese. Your thoughts? Well, Reed, I think thanks for taking my call. I, I think it's, it's, it's exemplifies you have a commander in chief who maybe not be cognitively capable, be plugged into the intelligence agencies that need to be feeding him uh, intelligence, and it could be a symptom. This, this, this is why this is what happens. You have a pup, when your puppet master's running the show. There's a disconnect in someone who's not plugged in, like Donald Trump. President Trump would have been plugged in, would have been known about this, and would take decisive action. We don't have that with Biden. And it, I think it's a couple of factors. One, he's, he's not plugged in, maybe not capable of being plugged in. And when you have handlers and being completely controlled, there's, there's just not efficient. There's a complete disconnect. I think things just get lost. Well, and, and scary for us, too, David. I mean, that's the sad reality is that – uh, that we are so vulnerable right now. And you've got China who clearly is planning something, whether it's with us or whether it's going into Taiwan and checking our defenses. And regardless, uh, we are like, you know, so uh, openly vulnerable and look like the JV squad. And America should be leading the charge, not at the back of the bus. And that's really, really sad to me. Uh, let's go to Diane, line two. Diane, your thoughts. Okay, can you hear me? Yep, we hear you. Great. Go ahead, Diane. Great. Well, first of all, I mean, the... Oops, we lost you. Diane, call back. After she checked the audio level, Diane, call us back. 1-800-848-9222. She got all excited. Let's go to Tommy on line four. Tommy, go ahead. Hi, Rita. How you doing? Uh, Which one do you want to go first? You want to talk about uh, the balloons or you want to talk about uh, regard to the... uh... Uh, the description of this guy's um, uh, the monster, his speech instead of apology. Let, let's do the balloons first, if we could, just since we're talking about this right yeah. now. But go ahead. Sounds sounds good. I mean, this is just a thought, you know. I thought possibly that these um, NASA came up with a material called mylar, and we use it on the, the cheap balloons that we send to people's birthday parties. Um, you know, happy birthday ones, and you can make shapes out of that. I was just thinking it possibly could be. A mylar balloon, because they said they were a lot smaller, size of a car or something like that. They could have shaped them in a mylar balloon, which stabilizes them and get them up there. I don't know. That's a possibility. I'd have to know about the helium and how much helium we would need. By the way, Tommy, Tommy, it's not out of the realm that those three ones, the little small ones that they took down, it's not out of the realm that maybe they might have just been like, you know, like, you know, either uh, some sort of junk 
or whatever the case is. But you're right. It might have just been, you know, but now they're shooting everything in sight. And it's not because uh, they suddenly had some epiphany. It's because they were so publicly embarrassed by how bad they did it on the first one, which they do say is a spy balloon. That one, they say, is the size of like three buses. That was the difference. They said that one it had this big payload and all that stuff. But look, but now the fact, Tommy, that they waited. Isn't that amazing that they actually waited like weeks until they started to do something? And they claimed, well, we couldn't take it out because it was, you know, on land. It was on over ocean for weeks. And they sat back, and the only time, the only reason they're acting now is because we've all publicly, they've been outed. Everybody knows all the details, and it's like every day it gets worse and worse. And so far, the president has yet to address the nation. Why isn't he out there? Don't you think he deserves to, the American public deserves to hear from our president? He's not saying a word. He needs more of that NZT48 from that movie Limitless. He needs more drugs like that to get him to, to get him to be thinking at all. Yeah, yeah, he does. He needs something. That's for sure, Tommy. Thanks so much. Let's go to Stan, line seven. Stan, your thoughts about this? I think the mental acuity, you're worrying about uh, Nikki Haley's comments about mental acuity. I think most of the people that call up the station need to have their brains tested here. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by that, Stan? I mean exactly what I mean. That most of these stupid people with their comments. Here's the point you seem to wait, don't wait, want to wait, talk wait, about. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean the stupid president comments? Doesn't need we have brilliant tests. callers. Go ahead. Yeah, brilliant callers. Pea brains. Anyway, here's the point. What you didn't want to talk about, uh, the balloon thing. The president's handling it okay. I'm not worried about that. I'll tell you what well, you didn't oh, want to talk about. Wait. You didn't want to talk about the guns. You kept going over it. I'll tell you right now. Missouri, your favorite state, Missouri, with the right-wing MAGA stupid Republicans, pass a law that lets 14-year-olds carry guns. Unbelievable. Where in the hell did you talk about that? You want to talk about crime in this country? Check that out. That's going to be another major thing. 14-year-olds are allowed to carry guns now in Missouri, passed by Republican, MAGA, stupid, brain-dead Republicans who shouldn't be elected. The Second Amendment needs to be a little curved. All right, so it's Stan, hang on. You got a lot of emotion there, but but oh. first off, hang on, hang on. All right, first off, on the 14-year-olds, I do think that that's a little young. I, I agree with you on that one, um, but... You guys seem to keep focusing on guns, guns, guns. What about locking up criminals? You heard of the case that I brought up with the Michigan State University guy. The guy got a misdemeanor. He would have been behind bars, and he would not have been able to buy a gun after he served his time. But a little soft on crime DA that we're seeing a pattern across the country gave him a pass. And because in the, in the name of racial equity, um, guess what? Uh, he was able to buy a gun, and sadly, he, he used it to gun, kill people. He bought a gun because of racial equity. He bought a gun because he could get a gun. I know. Stan, Stan, you're wake not. Up. Stan, 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 would you wake up and calm down for a moment, please? You're you're going to like, you know, you got to have a drink or something, all right? You got to chill. But the the point I was saying to you, if you could listen for a moment, was that it's the DAs who lowered the offense from a felony that was a five-year Crime, five-year punishment, 
and made it a misdemeanor. So he had one year probation. So that allowed him to get the gun. Otherwise, he would have been behind bars. Malarkey. Oh, oh, no. Sorry, Stan. It's a fact. Stan, it's a fact. The gun. It didn't make a difference. He bought the gun. But, but, but But Stan, Stan, hang on. I'm asking you about soft on crime DAs. There are too many people that are too soft. There are a lot of problems here. I agree. There's a gun. People should not have guns illegally. You and I agree on that. What I'm saying to you is if you commit a crime, you got to pay a price. And you guys seem to, like, want to give these people a free pass. So go ahead. And you think Biden did a good job with the balloon? Absolutely. Are, are, you, like, are, hey. you, are you, like, sucking helium tonight? No, What's going on you, with you? You've got a lot of hot air, but let me tell you this. If you agree that 14-year-olds should have guns, you're as pathetic I just as said people. to you I didn't. I just said to you. Well, and but, uh, that's I just part said of to the you. problem, Rita. The Republicans are the problem. Uh, they, you know I what? You know what? You, you guys saying, hey, sorry that you committed all these crimes. Have a good day and enjoy well, going out and committing more crimes. That's guns, the problem, Stan. Problem. That's the problem, Stan. You guys give them such a free pass. You I give don't everybody, give anybody you a give free people pass. a little slap on the wrist and say, hey, go out, and then they commit more crimes. It is common sense that criminals need to pay a price. Stan, I love you, though. Great talking to you, as always. Thank you, Mr. Hot Air himself. 1-800-8489-222. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, I don't know about you guys. I'm still trying to recuperate after... uh, Hot Air Stan, boy, he had a lot of topics uh, from Biden being brilliant uh, to soft on crime DAs. What? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie on line seven. Eddie, your thoughts? Uh, Rita, I, you have some patience. I don't, I don't know how. I really don't know how you let you stand on a program. I think you want diversity, but he, he, he is, you know, Joe Biden is soft next to him. Stan is out of his mind, and and he he disrespected my my lovely Polish Danish cousin who I met in person. Oh, thank way, you. you. And are... and, and Ed, Ed, by the way, I don't mind him disrespecting me. I I don't I didn't like him insulting my you know all of you guys. You know when he said well, pea well, brain well, callers, I was like, uh oh, this guy's he, in he, trouble. You should have seen my has, face, Ed. Yes, he has he has disrespected me after I called. Uh, he said something about me, but Stan, I, I don't know. I, I mean, just go. I don't. He, he needs. He needs a uh, spackle bullet, uh, bucket full of clonopin or something. I mean, time to stay <laughs> down. I, I, mean, I wouldn't well, want a neighbor like him. I'd have to put up a. Uh, I'd have. I'd have to put up a border wall next to him <laughs> if he was or, my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, or, or Ed, if he came over and said, "I'd like a cup of sugar," he'd be like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sweet about Stan. It really is. Oh. I mean, he went to the Joe Piscopo. Um, uh, uh, Frank Sinatra thing, and he got on and he called Joe during his show on Sunday. And Stan was so nice; he's got this different part of his personality. But yeah, it depends. I think he was. I think he was like eating lemons tonight. <laughs> but Ed, I love lemons? you. No, Ed, Ed, I think, go ahead, Ed, real li- quick. Limes, limes <laughs> are more acidic. <laughs> Ed, you're great. Thank you very much, Jenkuye Barzo, my Polish friend. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Jeff. Line five, uh, lemons or limes? What is Stan sucking on tonight? Reed, I almost walked three blocks to knock. I was going to come over to the studio. Just make sure you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Sam needs to hang out with Big Joe. 
Because, you know, Big Joe, he's on meds, too. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Yeah, Joe's on a lot. And I think Stan maybe went over and asked Joe, could I borrow some tonight? But go ahead, Joe. Maybe Big Joe should give him his doctor, too. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he's going off on the kids with guns. I'd rather see kids trained with guns than these kids walk around with green hair that don't know which bathroom to go to. Because I can tell you, all these kids that went to hunter safety courses that I grew up with are excellent hunters, and they pass it down to their children all about gun safety. So well, I don't know why he's going off on it. And by the way, Jeff, you bring up a great point because there there are families where obviously it's taught in the family. It's taught to respect it. You know, I have friends who, who live in all different parts of this country and, and it's very much a way of life and they respect it. They lock them up. They're very careful. They teach their kids about safety. Um, and, and that's why Stan and his ilk uh, don't even want to talk about the repercussions of like those who abuse guns and those who get them illegally or those who mishandle guns and also the soft on crime, the revolving door of justice. He, again, just sees guns, 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 and doesn't even want to talk about the revolving door and letting criminals off easy. And, and again, this is the guy who thinks Biden's good. Uh, so I, I think Klonopin or whatever he's on, uh, he needs to double the dose because it ain't working. Jeff, thank you very much. Let's go to Diane, line one. Diane, uh, it got a little heated while you were gone. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> I didn't know. All of a sudden, my phone, and I have a landline phone, so I don't think it happened from me. But by, by the way, Diane, you, you hung up on us, and I wish I had hung up on Stan, but I didn't. But go ahead. <laughs> no, I didn't hang up on you. My, all of a sudden, there was nobody there. I, we, I, I, Diane, we forgive you. We know it's a technical thing. Your thoughts. Go ahead, Diane. Okay. Are people aware that Biden now, to show that he's like John Wayne with these things coming over, is sending out um, uh, missiles that cost 500 $500 billion a piece. We're using this to take down balloons? What? Yeah. Isn't that, it, it is amazing, Diane. And in fact, you're right. It's, it's 500 million, actually, is what it is. And they the first one they used on these items that they haven't told us what it is, it missed. I mean, that's unbelievable. And it may have just been little Mylar balloons. Stan got a lot of the balloons tonight. A lot of hot air. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.